All right. That was the best clap we've done today. You reckon? Yeah, that was really in time. Very synchronous. I'm glad that it was on your end because it didn't sound like it on mine, but I'll take your word for it. It's probably just my, like, shitty connection. But regardless, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Modern Guilt. Episode 10? Nine? Nine? Oh, Nine. Okay. I was about to get excited because 10's like anniversary material. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm looking we could forward to have, that. Oh, well, that'll be next week. Maybe we should do something fun, something, something a little bit juicy. I don't know what, but, Something you know. a little bit racy, yeah. Yeah. Bit of Lude. this, bit of that. Yeah, yep. I'm struggling almost to keep it together here because did you write the first thing on the docket? Hayden triggered a bunch of itself <laughs> on Reddit or did I write that? Yeah, no, I wrote that. <laughs> Fuck, I just read that. That is so funny. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we like talked a bit about incels on the last episode, I've been trying to find some subreddits that uh, are communities that are relevant to what we've been discussing and sharing the episodes with them as a way to sort of promote the podcast and also just like get some feedback or like interesting responses to the pod. Um, so I, I found this uh, subreddit called Incels Without Hate. And I didn't really even understand what that means, but I was like, whatever, I'll just drop this in here and like watch the seagulls flock. So <laughs> just post, shared the link with like a really like nice message, just like, oh my God, the school across the road is playing the hymns again. It's weird. They play the same segment of the same song for like 15 seconds and then just stop it. Maybe I think they're like brainwashing a, them. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that eh? it could be like a Waco situation over there. Yeah. Anyway, so I shared the link to the subreddit with like a really like friendly message. Um, and I said something like, hi, we do a podcast called Modern Guilt, blah, blah, blah. This is what it's loosely about. In our last episode, like we talked about incels and how they are kind of excluded from society. And I think you guys might find it really interesting. Um, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it or some responses, or maybe someone could even like come on the podcast and talk about being you. Um... You dropped the N-word in there as well, though. Sorry? The, the, you dropped the, the N-word, the, the non-binary. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> dude. I thought you were telling me that I had said, like, the the racial N-word on the last podcast. And, oh, no, and no, I was no, only no, just no, realizing no. now, and I was about to kill myself. Man. That's a hell of a thing to spring yeah, to you on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, I did drop the non-binary in the description. And... Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah, I just had a whole bunch of like bitter incels dogpile me. Um, and I thought you and I had a, a fairly neutral uh, discussion about incels on the podcast. And I didn't think that we were very mean um, or derogatory towards incels, but they took it really uh, the wrong way. Yeah, well, they said that like we said they're mental which we definitely didn't like no no we were saying like the the social dynamics that lead them to be where they are are mental 
I think is what we were saying. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. the actions of the particular individuals that you were talking about are like mental actions. And obviously. Yeah. Which is like, we're talking about the Bjork yeah. stalker and Christine Chubbuck yeah. who killed herself on exactly. air. Exactly. Like, so like, that's pretty know. mental. And also it's one of those situations <laughs> where like, you're just loosely using an adjective in almost like a non-literal way. Um, it's not yeah. like, oh yeah, this is the behavior of a mentally ill person or whatever. It's just like, that's a fucking crazy thing to do. Yeah. So anyway. Then they got pissed that you said non-binary. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, <laughs> and then like I cross-post that one with that discussion to a second incel subreddit. And <laughs> was just like, hey, incels, I triggered a bunch of incels. Let me know your thoughts. <laughs> um, so that was funny. But yeah, they. Did that go well? Oh, that one didn't have as much of a response, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. Someone commented mm-hmm. saying like, oh my God, you can't even be nice to them, which yeah. I kind of felt was pretty accurate because <laughs> in all my engagements with them, I was trying to be very friendly, um, but they just, yeah, they obviously didn't see it the same way, which is okay. Yeah. We've just refined our target demographic for the podcast um yeah just i feel like yeah um yeah we clearly don't make podcasts for incels i guess not i sort of feel like our demographic is uh dudes like us that um aren't really you know we're not incels but it's it's kind of like a niche (laughs) like group of people anyway and and like the funny thing i found was just how triggered they all were oh yeah for a community i don't know man like that whole uh you know debate on how politicized internet groups are getting really shows me that ultimately you just have two sides of the same people bitching complaining to each Mm. other um be you an incel or be you a you know woke boy whatever (laughs) woke boy yeah yeah, i guess so Yeah. yeah yeah whoever is like angry on the other side of the the same issues Mm -hmm. nobody feels like they're getting treated right and it's real sad yeah, you're right. Nobody, and we're just stuck in the middle, you know? Yeah. And no one's treating us right, man. All we're trying to do is just get everyone to get along. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spread some light on social outcasts and shit. But that's okay. It's all right. We're, we, are, we all have a role to play in the world. We're just playing ours, sipping on our coffees. Yeah, taking it easy. So um, you have some thoughts about uh, Scotty from marketing and the new university regulations in Australia? <laughs> I was just kind of surprised about it. So Scotty um, has hiked the cost of social science degrees mm-hmm. 113%, yeah. um, presumably for, you know, we need degrees that create value and social science degrees don't, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like an age-old debate that normally happens within universities. Like when I was at Auckland Uni, they did this entire thing. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I've heard it all before. But the real problem in my eyes is that, like there's this notion that there's a higher value to different degrees, which, you know, I guess a lot of people would be like, well, if you're doing engineering, you're learning how to be an engineer and you'll make stuff as opposed to studying, you know, critical gender theory. But I don't think enough people realize that almost none of their degrees will really teach you much. Mm -hmm. And the cost is too high across the board. Um, and hiking the cost of social science degrees is just going to create like more debt slavery and it's just going to impoverish more people. That's my general thoughts. I think it's a stupid political move that's going to appeal to like, you know, a broad class of um, 
<laughs> the same people that are reading Bill Clinton biographies. Yeah, yeah. That we talked about last episode. Like, just, you know, people are like, oh, makes sense. Um, you're, yeah, I think you're exactly right, man. And it's it's a part of a broader policy policy initiative that they've rolled out since Australia has sort of come out of COVID lockdown, even though parts of Australia are now re-entering it, which is a whole other fuck storm we can talk about. Yeah. But called Job Builder, um, which is has been signalled or kind of talked about as like a restructuring of our kind of supply and demand in terms of jobs in the economy and also like industrial relations. So the reform of the degree prices is part of that was meant to feed into that. But when you break down the statistics, um, you actually see that even for the amount of STEM graduates, we're not producing enough jobs for them either. Um, but <laughs> That was the juicy red pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's what they're trying to encourage more people to do. And I, I understand why on principle or, you know, conceptually, but you actually need to have the foundation uh, in your economy for those people to graduate into, which we don't actually have. And STEM yeah. graduates in Australia uh, represent the highest cohort of graduates that leave and go and work overseas. So you have this uh, process where people just get in debt, pay a university, which is charging high fees because the government doesn't fund universities here and they get their degrees and just fuck off anyway. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're right about debt slavery because people who study the social sciences, I'd say typically study them or they're just as likely to study them because they have a passion or a deep interest in social sciences and humanities. Um, as they do for career prospects, right? Mm. So I think people who want to study that are going to study that and they're going to just be in more debt. But the government doesn't want people to be aware enough of those same sort of mechanisms that we're just talking about right now. Um, and I think that's why they're hiking the prices. Yeah, the whole STEM good thing is such a load of bullshit. I don't think they are tracking entrepreneurship by degree and the number of people that become self-employed and then go on to make a business. Mm some kind which is much more important in my eyes and i know because i was working on this um just up till like a, a week or two ago mm -hmm. that they don't really track outcomes per degree and that a lot of the outcomes are really shit like a lot of lawyers or people who go and study law do not work as lawyers they go work as something else there's not enough jobs available yeah exactly you're talking about like two thousand graduates fighting over maybe a hundred jobs it's insane mm -hmm. you know like it's just so frustrating because there's so many lies throughout the entire system. I actually read a statistic yeah. just today saying that someone graduating university right now has a one in Australia has a one in 237 chance of obtaining a white collar job in the next 12 months. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. There's a deeper structural issue. Absolutely, dude. It's so fascinating. Yeah. That's like, I want to get into more. I maybe will on a later pod because I just, I fundamentally believe that there's something going on in the fact that there's like, you know, too many people getting pushed in, the jobs are disappearing or not being created or being created in other sectors and not enough people are going towards them. Um, or maybe people just don't want to train anymore. We've totally lost like the master apprentice um, relationship 
within labor force mm-hmm. you know now it's kind of just like show up if you can't do the job fuck off you know hire someone else you can mm. like there's just like a glut yeah. of unskilled workers that are just you know well, i don't know the whole thing's pretty fucked. i know in australia the the rough kind of arc of these developments has been that when you're sort of vast blue collar manufacturing industry and whatnot was all you know uh shipped offshore you had this huge demand for jobs and growth and the growth came a little bit during the mining boom so like the 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 noughts and the early 2010s um but since then growth has basically been stagnant and imaginary but the government spins uh, a false narrative of growth by uh talking about employment numbers, but what you've had is like the mass casualization of the workforce so that like a third of Australians employed now work casually. So rather than tracking job hours created, they're tracking jobs created broadly, but you know, 33% of those or more are probably casual. Yeah, because you have 100 people working for Uber. Exactly. You know? So, um, like, yeah, there's it's definitely a structural thing. Um, the economy has been mismanaged. I mean, it goes back to what you've talked about before, about how we need to just re- revert back to that way that we used to sort of put emphasis on with just building shit, you know? <laughs> Return to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well. Holy fuck, I'm so crusty, bro. Oh man, that just sounds like Max Boomer tier um, <laughs> dialogue coming out of my mouth when you say it. like. I mean, I I do believe that. Yeah, but um, you know, <laughs> well, I yeah, mean, I, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with sounding like a boomer sometimes because boomers aren't all always wrong. You know, they're wrong about a lot of shit. I mean, yeah. just because they're a boomer doesn't mean that their uh, opinion is invalid, although it might seem that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, anyway, that's that. COVID's fucking Victoria. Yes. I'm not too familiar. Like, I've heard it's bad, but I, you know, shut the news off mm. in favor for some of these other fantastic headlines. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we're now recording record high COVID numbers since the beginning of the pandemic in Australia. Mm. Victoria, I think, uh, on s- the 24 hours from Saturday into Sunday, uh, had recorded like 460 something new cases and 10 deaths and it seems as if they're really struggling to control the outbreak so they've imposed um, a new six-week lockdown in victoria and there are sort of double digit case increases in new south wales uh, by the day at the moment which seems like it's much more under control in victoria but i'm hoping it's not just a matter of time meanwhile queensland is trying to sort of increase monitoring of the border crossings from new south wales to queensland but i've heard it's a fucking debacle like i've spoken to multiple people who have crossed the borders a few times and said police are just like waving people through because there are too many cars to you know screen so um yeah so i'm sure it's only a matter of time until uh, we get some more cases in queensland too but we'll see how we go maybe i could fit through then maybe i could just sneak through if I wanted to come to Brisbane. Well, I mean... Just get through that water. I hope you can. Maybe just jump on a boat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I don't want to end up in one of those refugee centers. Yeah, man. Yeah. You definitely don't. Jesus. That, I wonder if this is going to have, like, an m- impact. I've sold out of all my shares. Um, I'm totally, like, liquid right yeah. now. Yeah. Because I was worried that this is going to bring about something. But 
I don't know, man. Every time I've done this in the last, like, what, like three months or some shit, nothing's happened. Nobody fucking cares. Like, Victoria goes into lockdown and the ASX 200 didn't even budge. You know, mm. like, nothing's going on. I just, where does it end? What, I don't even know what's going on, man. I feel like I'm so I think, confused. I think maybe that, that shows you how insignificant uh, the everyday person is in terms of markets. Yeah. Like, the, the small to medium-sized businesses that are mainly the ones closing down during these lockdowns, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but they probably make up such an insignificant share of the um, economy that the market can ignore it, at least in the short term, mm. as long as you've still got fucking minerals being exported and um, the, the, the yeah. big banks and finance companies just going through the motions. I think things are pretty okay for them. Do we even need to work? No. You know, like, <laughs> is, is that what this is showing us, that like maybe none of us really need a job? I don't think we do. Um, and we can just kind of fuck around yeah yeah uh yeah <laughs> honestly it just yeah i don't know maybe we'll see some evolution of that theory we won't but <laughs> maybe it'll become like a talking point or something um because i just yeah who, who the fuck knows the whole thing just seems so bizarre and, and beyond reality right now especially with what's going on in the states i just i hear record numbers every other day People are afraid to go out. There's still riots and shit. Yeah. And it's like all business as usual as well at the same time. I talk to my friends in the States and they say it's fucked. Like they don't even want to go outside. You know? Yeah, that's fucking loose. I saw that it was revealed that those dudes who were like putting bags over the heads of people in Portland and chucking them in vans have turned out to be mercenaries. What the actual f- I don't even know about that story. So like, you know how Portland is like a super liberal, really left-leaning city? Um, And it's like the sort of home of Antifa in the United States. Uh, So the Black Lives Matter movement has been like really strong in Portland. And basically the the rallies and marches and protests never have really died down there. Um, So there were what people assumed to be like National Guard units deployed to Portland, but they weren't wearing IDs or insignias on their uniforms. Um, And they were cruising around in vans, just like finding like isolated protesters or like small pockets of them. And just like, I mean, I don't want to use the word abducting, but abducting. (laughs) It is kind of abducting though, right? Um, So just basically like manhandling them into vans without like identifying themselves or reading their rights or anything like that. And I don't understand what the legal process for an arrest has to be, but it seemed to me like it was pretty uncool. So there was a huge controversy about who the fuck these guys are. Everyone was assuming it was the military or the National Guard, which one and the same. And it's now been revealed that they were Blackwater mercenaries. So Donald Trump, Blackwater are like the same private military contractors that have like carried out like mass human rights abuses in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, They do like a lot of the dirty work for the US's military. So Trump has, yeah, hired mercenaries (laughs) to like police the streets of Portland, which is, yeah, it's pretty insane, man. Is it directly from him? Like, would it go that far up the chain or is this like a, a well, I think lower actor? Um, when it comes to federal law enforcement, it is that far up the chain, right? Because there was that mm. ultimatum issued by Trump earlier on in the movement where he said that if the states can't implement law and order themselves, then he will deploy the National Guard or he will uh, bring about law and order himself. Yeah. So I suppose 
for whatever reason in Portland, uh, he was either unable to deploy the National Guard or just chose to use mercenaries instead. They also tear gassed the mayor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just fun. Yeah, so that's good. That should probably happen every other month. So, Mm. yeah. (laughs) I haven't heard about the latest Kanye update. Oh, who fucking cares? I put it down there um, because I was like, oh, Kanye dropped out. Because he did that crazy speech where he was, you know, talking about abortion and crying and shit in front of lots of people. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I was like, do we really want to focus on Kanye? Now Why I not? recognize the fact that we're talking about yeah. it. Well, because it's just kind of sad, man. It's just like, like, I don't really like making spectacles of people who are struggling with mental health issues. Um, and whether or not he is suffering from a mental health issue right now or whether he's just like, you know, deciding to speak and ramble at a large crowd and then be like, oh, I'm not going to be running for president anymore. It's kind of like like a distraction. I feel bad for him, I guess, you know? Because mm. I'm, more, I'm more worried that this is just some, like, massive, um, not massive, you, you know, this is like a mental health issue that he's experiencing. Like, maybe he's having a manic episode and the whole world is, like, watching and turning it into some gross spectacle for clicks. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's pretty clear that he is suffering from a manic episode. Um, but yeah. I I don't know how to approach it because it almost uh, increasingly stigmatizes mental illness when you say suffering from a manic episode or I feel sorry for him because he's doing this while manic. Because I guess in a perfect world, manic people would just do what they do, right? And we wouldn't care. And Let me reframe this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, carry on. Well, I was going to say that um, even though, yeah, like Kanye is doing some pretty outlandish shit, he's still doing what he wants to do. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? True. There was a movie called, I think it's like Thank You America or I Hate America or something like that. It's about this guy that like loses his shit one day and decides to go on a killing spree and just guns down stereotypes as they do um it was actually yeah which has unfortunately happened but like you know it was quite i quite enjoyed Mm -hmm. it um and towards the end there's this kid who's like very socially awkward and really wants to you know be on america's got talent and sing and be you know have his chance to sort of be in the spotlight and he gets up there and everyone's laughing because he's so bad and making fun of him and um the kids you know like clearly just a cruel joke for the audience which is totally what those shows yeah do true and what the media does and it reminds me more of that yeah right and you're right like okay if he's purposefully doing this then cool maybe it was it i don't know to me it just feels weird it feels more like the media is trying to you know capitalize on someone um and making a spectacle of them as opposed to commenting on what he's actually saying and talking about yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And I, I think that's a really sad reflection on the media, right? Because, like, Kanye actually has said or hinted at some pretty, like, important and interesting things, in my opinion. But the media chooses to focus on, you know, him uh, crying at a rally or, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They're spinning it in a way that's, that's more what it's about. They're spinning it in a way that's really distasteful. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to normalize mental health issues, don't make a fucking spectacle. Exactly. Of it. Because, like, Listen to what he's saying. Yeah, you know, even like, no matter how erratically someone is behaving, like that doesn't mean they're not speaking the truth. Just because yeah. Kanye is known to be Kanye and he has these manic bursts and or whatever, however he behaves, like that's no reason to take away from what might be like really valid commentary or ideas. 
Man, I, I guess 2020 is is cursed regardless, man. Um, it's just one more fucking ingredient to uh, chuck in the mix, right? Uh, has there been any good news this year? Depends who you well, ask. I'm sure there has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true, yeah. true, true, true. Jeff Bezos is having a good year. True, yeah. Hit, I... uh, hit 185 billy in the bank. Not the bank, but, you know, like... Mm. I saw that he made a, um, a record daily profit recently. Yeah, something like ten, thirteen billion dollars. Yeah, day. that's fucking insane, man. <laughs> it doesn't even mean anything. It doesn't, anything. right? I find that so unusual. Just yeah. like the the uh, blind accumulation of excess wealth doesn't make much sense to me because it's not like he's using it for anything. Yeah, well, I, okay. So I had a lot of trouble sleeping last night, and when I do, <laughs> I generally like just sit on my phone because that's yeah. No, I do. The I same know thing. it makes it worse, yeah. but. I was curious about that. So I was actually Googling Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin, um, his spaceship company, because I was like, oh, I wonder what they're Oh, doing. I didn't know he had a spaceship company. Yeah, well, his whole dream is he's like kind of like an Elon character without like Elon's uh, charisma, you know, charisma and, and just like shit posting ability. Mm-hmm. And so he's like trying to funnel profits from Amazon and everything into his spaceship oh, right. to get people into space and living in space and everything like that. So there's some admirable goals. That oh, that's great. Bezos is engaging. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't look like they're doing much, man. Cause I was thinking like, Oh, you know, surely he's got so much money. Like I'm sure they're doing some incredible work, but um, compared to like SpaceX, they're kind of lagging behind, mm. you know? And I guess if you if you were meaningly meaningfully pursuing that goal, then you would be collaborating with SpaceX, right? But I suppose it's just like a billionaire dick swinging competition for him, and he wants to like have the best spaceship. Um, when yeah. really you should just like acknowledge that SpaceX already has like an insanely advanced program, and just be like, how can we help this? Yeah, you'd think so. It's too bad that we don't have more of that style. Yeah, right. Like American capitalism is so like head to head. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, that Japanese capitalism where they do that, where it's, you know, everyone's sort of like interdealing with these weird connections to create like super companies. Um, you don't get any of that. Yeah, I mean, sucks. I think a lot of people should do a lot more similar to what the Japanese do, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. They got some, some good shit going on, man. Speaking of Japan... Yeah. In Australia. Oh, yes. Um, in the US. And India. In India. Those four we, countries, yeah, they just held uh, their joint uh, military exercises in the Philippine Sea, uh, which can most uh, easily be interpreted as a show of force against China, which is quite interesting. And this follows the uh, little story that you and I talked about with the um, Indian and Chinese border clash in the Himalayas and also the sort of ramping up of the trade war between Australia and China and obviously the tension that we know has existed for a long time between the United States and China. Mm. And normally I don't look upon this sort of military posturing that favorably. I think it's uh, normally a bit excessive, but I'm in favor of this. Uh, I think... (laughs) Yeah, I think it's been uh, too long that China has been throwing its fucking weight around. And if we think about the sort of appeasement that Germany was offered in the lead up to the Second World War, like that, it doesn't work. Eventually, um, the gavel's got to fall, you know. I'm not saying that we need a military confrontation, but I'm just saying that we should really be uh, planning for this kind of thing. When China starts posturing for war or for strength as Based God uh, Ray Dalio 
Yeah. I mean, they are, I would say. Um, Trump or Biden? Who would you prefer Biden to be at the helm? Biden. Yeah. Yeah. He has, I mean, whether or not you like or hate Biden, I don't even have a, an opinion on him apart from the fact that he's 80, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He has experience in government, man. Uh, he knows how to deal with other uh, departments of government. He knows how to plan. He knows how to execute policy. And he's also an ordinary person somewhat, apart from the fact that he likes yep. to kiss little girls on the cheek. On the mouth, bro. Well, okay, there you go. <laughs> um, that was on the mouth. I, I, I saw that video. Right. It was on the I, mouth. I haven't even yeah. seen the mouth one. I only saw the multiple photos of the cheeks. Uh, but it could be doctored, man. Like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if I believe it, but I've seen the videos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it fucking happened, dude. <laughs> People are fucked. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I would rather someone who can actually like effectively communicate with another human in the, in the form of Joe Biden <laughs> than just some like you know literal sociopath uh, at, at the helm of a nuclear weapons arsenal. Can it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think? Um, uh, I don't have an opinion. Um, you got to have an opinion on this. There's no fence sitting on I, this issue. I I want to. I don't want to get involved there because basically, okay, so Iran had a lot of issues with uh, the US. Oh, God, my, I'm going to stretch my memory here, but I'm pretty sure it's around the time Jimmy Carter was president. Yep. And then I think Ronald Reagan took power. Yeah. Um, and Iran was holding hostages and Jimmy Carter was trying to do a very sort of diplomatic way of negotiating, um, to get the hostages back. And it was either Reagan or I'm thinking of Nixon. It was basically one of those, like, you know, no bullshit, um, conservatives took power and they virtually immediately released, uh, the hostages. Cause the guy was like, oh, fuck, I think it was Nixon. I'm, I'm kind of fucking the history up here. It might've been Nixon, but basically it was like, the story is, is that they, um, the moment that he took power, the media was like, oh, are you worried about the Iran, you know, situation with the hostages? And he says, no, I'm not worried. They should be worried because he was fucking crazy. Like yeah. <laughs> Nixon um, was one of those guys. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Nixon. It was one of the guys where it's basically like, you don't know what he's going to do. Like he was such a wild card. And of course, now we have wild card 2.0, mm. um, you know, with extra sugar in his coffee. And I don't know, man, I, I legitimately am curious to see how both would play out. I think on the one hand, you have someone who's so off the wall, you have no idea what he's going to do. For the like survival of humanity, I would rather Biden in place. Um, so yeah, actually, okay, now that I've externalized this, I think I'd go with Biden. Yeah, there you go. Because I like, I'm so terrified of nuclear war, um, you know, and I like have no problems believing that Trump would totally push the button. Are you, are you familiar with the great man 100%. theory? No. So it's this way of uh, one way of viewing history that uh, dictates that the course of history is largely determined by significant individuals who have extraordinary sort of abilities in one way or another. And if you were a proponent of the great man theory, then you would agree with what you just said about that conservative president um, being able to bring about the freeing of those hostages from Iran. But the counter perspective to viewing history is that there is always a, a complex web of narratives and forces at play that great men kind of navigate or that, sorry, not great men, but that individuals navigate. And I think that that's sort of the more accurate or realistic way of viewing history and, and events. But because of our sort of human nature, we like to romanticize the 
capabilities or the like i guess the adventures of an individual so we talk yeah. about adolf hitler and stalin and whatnot and i think not friends ferdinand <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah and i think that's an example of um you know, I think whether it was Nixon or Reagan freeing those hostages, I think there was probably a lot of other forces at play and they just sort of oh, totally. happened into the right circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah. I believe that. I definitely believe that. It's always more complex, you know. Um, 100% buy into that stuff. All right. So yeah. we've got one more media topic that we're going to have a talk about before you uh, i'm going to just merge this into a full show and tell man because it's such a fucking weird story oh. that leads on to another weird all right story. this is fucking great um, let's do it yeah yeah okay so this whole thing is basically about like outrage um and i happen across this story i don't even think it's really been picked up that widely uh but you know <laughs> no one needs to tell anyone that we're living in like a time of great absurd outrage um, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's to the point that people are just so politicized. They're like not even looking at headlines. They're looking at like partial headlines, making a decision and then like taking action. Um, so I found this quite entertaining. Basically there's this platform to anyone who hasn't gamed before called steam. Um, and it's just kind of like a, like the Netflix of gaming, you know, so you can just post up a game and sell it. And then, you know, make a profit and Steam hosts it and promotes it and stuff. So this Black Lives Matter Steam game appeared because, of course, it did. That's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't as much of a game as it was a, like, short ex uh, visual experience, um, which is probably means, like, you click through some stuff. I haven't paid for it it's a dollar 29 you can pay for it yourself you want to experience the blm steam game. i feel like that's um, um that's irresponsible storytelling of you to have not bought the game damon it was only a dollar 29 and to be honest i'm tempted to uh as you will see when i get to the end of this because i this yeah it's pretty entertaining um anyway the game lasts for a very tasteful uh eight minutes and oh, 40 good. <laughs> three seconds or 44 seconds whatever the time that george floyd died oh uh, you're and fucking it, joking no it does it's, oh that's legit. that is so great um and it's tagged as a uh looter shooter a dark fantasy and a bunch of other racist crap so um i don't know if the guy that made it tagged it as that i think it's the gamers so anyway this guy uploaded black lives matter game um, and it, of course, immediately got, like, a huge amount of outrage. Uh, there was a bunch of gamers that became super triggered and started posting, like, troll reviews all over it um, that were just, you know, as offensive as you can imagine them being. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going <laughs> to read them out. You can look for them yourself. <laughs> we'll have to uh, definitely include some links to those. To the troll reviews? Yeah. I mean, and, probably. And the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I might... Um, I might... Uh, buy it. I think <laughs> so, though. <laughs> um, Are you, like, on yeah. Steam right now about to buy it? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm tempted. Okay, I'll read one of them. So, 
This guy posted, my wife's boyfriend recommended me this game. It's the perfect <laughs> thing to play after kneeling down in New York City whilst wiping the sweat off my receding hairline. After the game was over, I was so overwhelmed that I beat off eight people of color just to show my sorrow. Then some weird alt-right troll tried to tell me that Floyd's held a pregnant woman at gunpoint, blah, 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 blah. It goes on. It's just like fucking offensive. But, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they start like posting all this like really um, all these offensive reviews and stuff. And of course it gets picked up by the media and the media start like promoting it and being like uh, – negative reaction of gamers towards Black Lives Matter game. You know, ooh, this just shows such an incredibly toxic culture. Um, you know, and there wasn't that many reviews. There was maybe, like, 50 reviews or something like that. You know, other games have, like, thousands yeah, of yeah. reviews for context. Um, and But anyway, the game gets, like, a reasonable amount of press and a lot of people are buying it. And, you know, there's, like, of course it's triggering more and more people because why would it not? It's so obviously so, distasteful can i ask like from your understanding of this do you think that whoever developed this game was just like banking on the idea that it would become some controversy and then he would make a lot of money through it because that's that's exactly where that's where it's this pretty is smart this is fucking well this is okay so the guy posted up um the creator of the game after all the controversy and stuff and after he's very well banked like a pretty decent amount of money, I'd imagine. Um, I don't know how much, but it's obvious that it's been. Yeah, selling. it'd be like a few hundred k, right? Oh, maybe less than that. I reckon like few. He probably banked like maybe I don't know five figures or something like that. It's hard to tell, but mm. I'm sure he's made money. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. He posted up a big thing about it, and it was <laughs> fucking interesting to read. So he starts off saying, you know, I'm the developer of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, now that the flames have started to die down, um, I'm going to stoke them again and he says as you may have guessed i'm not exactly the biggest black lives matter supporter in the world um and i don't think of myself as a greedy opportunist either i'm tempted just to read the whole thing because it's so fucking incredible oh do um, it yeah i'm gonna paraphrase parts of it uh you know just to boost through because it's sure. like long what he wrote Mm-hmm. So he goes on to say that, you know, uh, billions of dollars have been spent fighting police brutality. You know, it's not even calculable to figure out how many people have spent hours peacefully protesting and then um, the damage done by the violent rioters and the negative mental energy distracted. Um, this distracting all of us and leading healthy, productive lives for a week on end every time this bullshit pops up. So this is how this whole fucking thing starts um, as a is what he's writing about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he then goes on to say that, uh, of course he knew that creating this game was going to go viral and that it was going to attract like negative comments from around the internet, specifically from places like 4chan. And of course the media was going to pick it up and that he was going to make money. But he says, the issue with woke politics is they insist that one has a responsibility to check your privilege and help improve society, but stop halfway and only focus on a tiny subset of American political issues rather than looking at larger issues within the world. Um, if we truly care about black lives, why are we not fighting malaria instead of fighting police brutality? Um, you know, who cares about oppressed women in the Middle East when Princess Peach is setting a bad example for girls in San Francisco? Um, you know... He moves on further and says that we're focusing way too much on these American issues, 
and that people ultimately don't care. Oh yeah, here we go. If there's anything the civilizational failures of 2020 have proven, it's that people don't care. No one wants to entertain weird ideas like universal basic income or a looming pandemic. No one wants to make a genuine effort in improving their reasoning ability and becoming a more empathetic person. All they want to do is argue about the latest internet drama. Um, and then talks about how he's talks about like he's not an idiot. He knows exactly what was going to happen by doing this. He says he's made games that have taken him years to produce and this one took off basically overnight and it took him five minutes to produce well his multi-year mm. games didn't go anywhere um and then i'm a big fan of nasim talib he drops this fucking dope quote to basically summarize his entire reasoning uh for what he did the character Characteristic feature of the loser is to bemoan in general terms mankind's flaws, biases, contradictions, and irrationality without exploiting them for fun and profit. <laughs> there we go. He's like, if you actually give a shit, go donate to the Against the Malaria Foundation, which is typically thought to be the most effective charity out there. Um, and if you want to go beyond read the 80,000 hours career guide. Anyway, shout out to that guy. That is fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> you know, I just thought that was uh, yeah. uh, mad respect. I might pay the $1.29. Um, you know, I don't really want to play the game. I don't care, but... Uh, you should donate the $1.29. Yeah, man. Yeah, I probably should. I should donate Not the $1.29. Yeah. Nah, nah, like... <laughs> I'll give them airtime so our fifty listeners can go can go buy the Yeah, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. For him. And the dollar twenty nine <laughs> can go to the Malaria Foundation. Straight um up. so building on this, you know, obvious like capitalizing of outrage, mm. um, I mentioned Goya Foods and uh one of our longtime fans um suggested that I talk about Goya Foods. Uh, this week, and it's not actually a long story, but it fits in really nicely with this whole, um, with what the guy did on Steam. So the CEO, so Goya Foods makes beans and like tortillas. They're like Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably the most uninteresting billion dollar company that is in the market right now they aren't yeah. outrageous um i would like to make a quick point if i haven't said it before amazon apple and a variety of other fan companies are currently profiting off slave labor um, from the uyghur muslims in china to build their products people are getting upset at goya foods maker of beans tortillas and other wholesome nutritious hispanic foods because the CEO went and met Trump and said, we are truly blessed to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder. Um, That's really interesting wording. Yeah, uh, it's kind of Considering weird. the wall. <laughs> yeah, and I the mean. the fact that they produce Mexican food. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the CEO yeah. of Goya Foods is Hispanic. Um, he mm -hmm. Goya Foods is like a Hispanic-run company. It has a variety of initiatives for Hispanic people, and his, it seems relatively nonpartisan as a company. Um, they were donating to Michelle Obama's food, some initiative by Michelle Obama for food. Yeah. They donated a million cans of chickpeas, which is like Fucking more eight. than anyone I thought would need. I thought it's a yeah. country. 
as well as like a million pounds of food to food banks during like you know the coronavirus struggle and everything that's fucking sick good on them yeah well they announced this in the same speech right of where wow. he said you know we're truly blessed to have a leader like president trump who was a builder um he was invited to speak with president trump and you know what would you say in that situation if you're invited to speak and you have to give some little thing to the media it kind of sounds like like you're not going to be like trump's dick yeah, yeah, you're not going to, like, take a knee, Black Lives Matter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're a fucking CEO of a billion-dollar company, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and that didn't seem that outrageous to me. But, you know, what do I know? I'm, you know, <laughs> my pulse isn't uh, – my, my thumb isn't on the pulse of, of everything. So, anyway, so AOC um, and the mayor of San Antonio – and like a large number of people, as well as CNN, NPR, blah, 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 like, you know, a bunch of different newspapers, all yeah. started tweeting uh, hashtag go away. Um, weirdly spelt goy away. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm I see. Sure, that doesn't, I'm sure I'm not, I'm sure it says like goya away, like go, like stop buying goya foods. Um, and they made very specific reference to the fact that people should stop buying goya foods because of this. Because the CEO said well about Trump. So it's fucking taken off, man, to like this big movement of people trying to like boycott. So now there's calls for boycotts for Goya Foods um, and all the the harm that they do in society. um, (laughs) Presumably by donating to food banks and hiring lots of Hispanic people. Fucking um, hell, man. Is the latest thing of outrage. Anyway, it's just crazy, eh? So, on the one hand, yeah. What if these motherfuckers, I'm not talking about like AOC or the mayor of San Antonio, but just every like hashtag Twitter warrior sitting at home, what have they ever fucking done to make the world a better place? Like, I don't know shit about Goya Foods, man, but if you're like a company (laughs) that's willing to donate a million fucking pounds of food to food banks and a million cans of chickpeas, then, like, you're not safe, you yeah. know? Um, if you like, pay your taxes and you don't hire Uyghur Muslims as slave labor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, they've probably done more to make the world a better place than these dickheads calling for a fucking boycott. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane, man. I was, like, I was trying to find more of the story, but I just couldn't because I was, like, surely not. Surely he said something, like, outrageous or there's something. But it's, like, how fucked is the States now that – one uh like even saying that is enough to like tarnish your company like as far as i know the beans are still good to eat of course beans man (laughs) like so did this did this happen before or after trump posted that photo of himself in the oval office with all of the goya products in front of him (laughs) I think it was after. So, yeah, so I don't know. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Trump's been, like, stoking the fire and aggressively tweeting, I love Goya Foods, and then Ivanka Trump's been doing the same, like, posting themselves with Goya food products, which is just, like... so interesting. (laughs) Like, obvious trolling. Yeah, Um, do you reckon they, like, he just gets drunk with his family sometimes and they're like, what should we post? (laughs) Let's do a photo. Yeah, 100%. Get some Goya food products. It'll piss him off. I mean... I think he's really good at figuring out like what is the most sensible thing he can do that's going to outrage loads of fucking people. Um, Straight up, yeah. Because, I mean, that's 
pretty fucking mellow like oh of course and that's actually funny man like um as much as i hate trump like he is pretty funny sometimes man oh no one's gonna deny his comedic abilities like he's he's on the the dial man one one other like meme that he posted or whatever was um like a photo of trump tower photoshopped into greenland after he offered to buy it from denmark Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "This isn't what I'm going to do to Greenmark to Greenland." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She's like pretty hilarious. Oh, it's good value. Like, yeah, yeah. it's super funny. I just like I don't know. It's politicizing a company that's so neutral. Like they they don't make guns. They don't sell booze. You know. Yeah. Right. Just like trying to buddy, feed a... some people some burritos, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Some like wholesome tortillas and. Fucking means. And the fact that AOC would go after them is so despicable. Like, as someone who was meant to be championing a new era of, like, um, you know, down to earth politics and grassroots movements. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty shit. I love AOC, man, but that's a whack move. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's real shit. Because it's like, you can't really find, uh, you know, a company in the, and that's, I don't know if they're publicly listed, but like, like a company that big that's acting reasonable yeah just like not I, in a nefarious way i couldn't even find them like cheating on taxes or like you know doing anything like that like they just kind of seem like a good wholesome american company and fuck <sighs> those there's not many of those left you know so speaking of mexican food <laughs> um yeah i have a little story to share um oh, please which do. is sort of my commentary on a really fucking absolutely great article that was published in New York Times magazine, which is the beginning of a series on climate change. And this first one is called uh, The Great Climate Migration Has Begun. Um, And soon uh, it will make sense why I talked about Hispanic food or Mexican food as a segue. Um, So I'm going to talk about that right after I get a glass of water. Sick. I'm going to grab a coffee as well. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to go get some uh, some Goya water. <laughs> How you going, boss? All right. Back in the mix? Yeah, boy. <laughs> Sick. What's the good word? So... I saw this article shared on the Claps subreddit, uh, which I have come to love because there are a few people on that subreddit who have been really supportive of the podcast. So shout out to Reddit Claps. Claps. Yeah, Yeah. those guys. Like that's always interesting shit on there as well. And I I go on there quite often and I read a lot of the articles that get shared on there and the discussions are also really interesting most of the time. Yeah. So, like I said, this article is called The Great Climate Migration Has Begun, and it's by a reporter named Abram Lustgarten. I hope I pronounced that correctly, and also features some insanely good photos by uh, Meredith Kohut. And, like, I just want to sort of emphasize the credit to those two, because for me, this was one of the, the best pieces of journalism I've read in a really long time, regardless of what you think of the New York Times, like, I fucking loved it. Uh, I thought it was so informative and so interesting. And the photos really do a great job of bringing to life the story. So I'll 
share the link in the episode description and I would encourage everyone to go there and read it and share it if you can. So as you can probably assume from the title, the article talks about the displacement of uh, of human populations as a result of climate change. And it's really dense with a lot of statistics and facts. So I've tried to sort of skip through a lot of them and just pick out some that I think are the most poignant and then uh, tell a couple of the stories that are in that article. So it starts off with the preface that currently 1% of the world is a barely livable hot zone. And at the moment, all of that area is in North Africa, like around the Sahara. But by 2070, that uh, amount of land could increase to 19%, which would um, encompass most of Central America and north of South America and also Southeast Asia. Is that and where then, it would be? Yeah. And then... Everything from the sort of from a bit inland from the north coast of Africa down to Central Africa, so like the Congo, uh, Ethiopia, and whatnot. And at the moment, uh, a quarter of the world's population lives in that area. Um, so that's a bit under two billion people. Um, and this story mostly focuses on Central America, though. So already, thanks to climate change and increasing temperatures, farmers are being forced to abandon their land in the countryside uh, thanks to continued fail, failed harvests. And there's this migration pattern happening where first farmers abandon their, their land or sell it for next to nothing and move into smaller towns. And then when those smaller towns uh, have the agricultural industry around them collapse, People migrate from the smaller towns to a city and then often to the nation's capital or the largest mega city to them. A lot of these cities are like struggling with their populations ballooning, having their infrastructure and services sort of stretched to breaking point because so many people are moving in from rural areas um, to the supposed sort of security of the city where you can find more assistance and there's meant to be work and all of this. And this problem compounds with what I'm kind of calling like a reverse domino effect happening in Central America because, as we all know, Trump has built his border wall uh, and they've really ramped up the uh, immigration processing in the southern border of the United States, creating this backlog of immigrants. And they've also... Uh, put political pressure on Mexico to block immigration on their southern border, and they threatened to impose a 25% trade tariff on um, all Mexican imports in the United States, which would essentially crush the Mexican economy. So you've kind of got this like pushing back of migrant populations further south into, into Central America, but where the further south you go, the worse the, um, the climate problem is. So one version of this modeling that the article mentions, which um, attempts to predict human displacement thanks to climate change, um, predicts that, and this is the, the highest range estimate, that up to 1.5 million people every year will be arriving at the United States' southern border from um, Central and Latin America, which is just That's like insane. fucking insane. <clears throat> yeah. By 2030, it's expected to be 750,000 per year. So I'm assuming now in 2020, you know, it might be maybe 500,000, a few hundred thousand per year. Um, and they're already struggling to figure out what to do with all of these people, which is why they're telling Mexico to sort it out on their southern border as well. Because these people wouldn't just be from Mexico, right? Like, if I understand what you're saying, they're coming all the way down from... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, so they come from, like, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Panama, 
all of these Central American countries. I'm probably skipping over a few. But um, yeah, there's a real misconception that um, all of those immigrants at the southern border of the United States are Mexican. Um, but they come from Mexico, but only because they have to go through Mexico. Yeah. And compared to these other Central American countries, Mexico, even though it's a poor country, is actually far more well-equipped to um, deal with their own internal problems than the likes of El Salvador are, because these countries are just so impoverished, it's not even funny. Hmm. And this same pattern of uh, displacement and migration is eventually going to start happening in North Africa and Southeast Asia too. Or it's already started in Southeast Asia as well. Um, so Southeast Asia, where you have the likes of Myanmar, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, etc., there have already been 8.5 million people move due to climate change-related issues who they mostly have re- relocated to the Persian Gulf in India. Um, because in the Persian Gulf, oh. there's a lot of um, sort of construction and unskilled work that they can get there. Unfortunately, a lot like- of them end up... What were you going to say? Sorry? Oh, is that like Dubai? Like they're going to yeah, Dubai and shit? Yeah, Qatar. Man, they get exploited there ruthlessly. Yeah, yeah. They, they essentially work as indentured laborers. Uh, it's not far off from slavery, which is fucking horrible. And like that just goes to show how widespread the issue of climate change is because it um, kind of intersects with all of these other social and political issues and compounds to make a crisis so much larger than what people kind of think about. What are they going to do in Dubai and shit? Like, surely Dubai and Qatar and stuff aren't going to come out of, like, climate change better off. No, I don't think they will. I, f- I figured that that area would, yeah. If you combine the issue of climate change with peak oil, they're in a really bad position. I imagine they're going to have to divest all of their wealth from fossil fuels and quickly figure out a new way to support themselves. Um, because, you know, in... 20 to 30 years, those entire cities are going to have to be air-conditioned. The amount of energy they'll be spending just to keep people alive in those parts of the world will be, like, phenomenal. I I don't know a lot about what they're doing to mitigate the effects, but, yeah, you're right. It's going to be catastrophic, (laughs) to say the least, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, Mm. 100%. So this uh, recent report by the World Bank uh, predicted that 143 million people will be internally displaced in these vulnerable countries. So the author of this article, in collaboration with some other outfits, kind of commissioned their own modeling, which they explained the methodology for in the article. But essentially, they wanted to figure out how much migration or displacement there will be across national borders, so like international movement of people, not just internal. And rather than just adding uh, like climate change factors to the modeling, they included Variables like political stability, agricultural productivity, food stress, water availability, social connections, weather, and more, and used a supercomputer the size of a train station (laughs) and processed 10 billion data points for four days to generate these different modeling outcomes. And to try and kind of illustrate the sort of effects that they modeled, they looked at um, San Salvador, which is the capital of El Salvador, as like a case study to kind of show how right now people are behaving in the way that their modeling predicts will increase in the future. So 2012 in El Salvador, a combination of like extreme weather and um, what's called leaf rust, if I remember correctly, uh, wiped out 70% of the country's coffee crop, which is their like predominant export. 
fuck. Sorry, this man. was actually in Guatemala, not El Salvador, but they border each other, so they inter- yeah, intersect. Yeah. Yeah, That's insane. 70%. Can you imagine if we lost 70% of exactly, our culture? Exactly, Exactly. It'd be the end of the yeah. NZX. So, I don't know why that's... Yeah, coffee rust is like a, a fungal infection that plants get, and there's no cure for it. So that's not uh, in itself a result of climate change or climate change-related issues, but you can see how um, it's exacerbated by climate change. So following... Mm. that sort of blight on their crop they um had a drought that didn't break for like two years and a bunch of unpredicted storms that wiped out the crop and i think for like four years they basically uh exported you know fuck all (laughs) fuck all coffee uh like 20 to 30 percent of their usual crop crop and they identified this one woman who was working on the farm uh and had to leave because the work dried up she moved to a nearby small town where she started making bricks. But the gangs who kind of like run the towns in El Salvador extorted her for protection money, so she had to leave. She was trying to figure out where to go with her children. And her hometown had no work and no water, so she sent her children back to live with her relatives and moved to San Salvador, the capital of El Salvador, which was just across the border from where she was living. So like, El Salvador is like the most extreme sort of disturbing example of these kinds of trends that are going to start happening because in El Salvador, 40% of people live in slums with no running water or electricity, and it's already the most densely populated uh, city in Central America. So 87% of the population of El Salvador will be living in the capital um, by 2050. And globally... 67% 67% of the population will be living in mega cities where four out of 10 people live in slums. <laughs> um, and they describe yeah. just yeah. like the fucking bleak conditions that people in San Salvador are living through at the moment where because of like the sort of political and social breakdown in combination with all of like the agricultural and climate change migrants, gangs just run every institution if you like can't pay for protection, then the gangs will just murder your family or whatever. And mm. the police can't protect the population. The government can't provide enough services. The majority of the children are hungry. Um, education is almost non-existent. So when these cities reach breaking point, like San Salvador has, then everyone has no choice but to cross the international borders, which is um, where you see them all heading up to through Mexico to the United States. And some of the like the photos in this article show these dudes and women just riding trains like it's the Wild West man, like on the roof going through the jungle. And it's fucking insane what these people are going through. So um Have you been to Indonesia? No, I haven't been to Indonesia. But I've been okay. to um a lot of other places in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Oh you'd be familiar then with like the mood of the place. Because when I was in Indo, I feel like a lot of what you're describing I've seen, and it's like, you know, fun- <laughs> like the city's not functional. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, there's, there's like dead shit around, there's open sewers, uh, um, there's like a corrupt police force. You can effectively get arrested at any time yeah. for any reason, you know, and buy your way out of any crime as well. Uh, and it's so dystopian, man. Like, there's nothing quite like walking around in the morning and having kids you know, hanging off you begging for f- fucking money 
and just seeing like how impoverished everything is next to a skyscraper. Yeah. The only um the, the only place I actually <laughs> went to that was quite that bad was Cambodia in uh, Phnom Penh, the capital there. That's pretty rough. But the rest of Asia that I went to was actually um there was there was obviously poverty, but there was at least order, if you know what I mean. But um it sounds yeah. like Jakarta is next level. Yeah, I I think it's pretty well, I don't know. I saw a pretty dark side mm. of the city. Um of course, I was not trying to avoid it. I'm not saying yeah, I was yeah. looking for it because I wasn't, but um, you can avoid Definitely. it. But, you know, I sort of was very much of the mood that I wanted to see yeah. the city for what it was. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, looking at these pictures and seeing and hearing what you're describing, it's like an extension of what looked of what Jakarta looked like to me, which was like a city in decay. Or when we were talking with Michael, uh, you know, about like social rot, that this is sort of like, the final stages of it, of just like a broken area with gangs running, running, yeah, fully. And, you know, a very bullshit police force. It's sort of like a thin layer of uh, institutional power it's, above it that ultimately is. And it's really crazy because this is happening in third world areas right now, obviously. The same patterns of migration will happen in the West uh, at some point if we don't act really swiftly on climate change. And like in Australia right now, we see people um, who are either sort of struggling really bad or are already selling their farms or are moving from small regional towns uh, further towards the coast to the bigger cities. Like I, I personally know people who have relatives who have done something similar. People are already shifting towards the larger urban centres. So we people act as if climate change is this distant, remote, sort of threat or that the kind of issues that are outlined in this article aren't going to happen to us but they're going to in a in a slightly different way it's better to say that they are um there's droughts exactly, yeah. already auckland's been in a yeah. drought for ages we get tornadoes in new zealand we never <laughs> that's fucking crazy yeah. i didn't know that yeah man yeah yeah there's been there's like one every year almost um and it's like these weird events sort of keep cropping up and they're going to keep cropping up. I think the thing that's terrifying, though, is you said 70% crop failure. And this isn't no a desert. Way. Hey? Like El Salvador and um, Central America are like robust areas of growth. But 70% crop failure is insane. Yeah. We're lucky they're yeah, making exactly. coffee. Um, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. And it's really it's crazy yeah. because they describe the way that once the – uh, rural areas all kind of swell into the urban centers the surrounding region still has to provide the bulk of that food to that city so when it's no longer productive the city just sort of implodes and everyone kind of dissipates and that's when you just have that migratory chaos or like literal displacement where people um they can't stay there you know um it's yeah. fucking crazy i think this oh yeah the scary thing about food I think that a lot of people don't realize is that if you have a crop failure um, and you go into supply shortage, you cannot make more food by throwing money. Yeah, you got to wait a year. Like you can't. It's it's a three month wait. Yeah, or a year. Uh, you know, or you eat fucking radishes for a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and even that takes a month to grow. And it's like there's nothing. There's literally nothing that you can conjure out of thin air. With any machine that's well, going to feed synthetic you. meat. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Actually, Maybe, but I, that's actually an mm. interesting point. I don't think about that. 
Um, but I mean, fundamentally, the point is, is that if you don't have those stocks yeah. available, if there's some for some reason a widespread crop shortage, um, then that is entirely possible that you're going to have famine. You know, because it's just not you know you can't wave a fucking wand. You can build an iPhone. You can't just fucking wave a, a wand and just have like you know a factory mm. that makes food pump exactly. out tomorrow. Um, it's really scary as well. Like you, you know how the article mentions. Southeast Asia and how many people are going to be displaced from there. That's also the uh, world's leading rice producing area. Um, I think something like 50% of the world's rice comes from Southeast Asia. Um, And the Mekong Delta and a lot of Vietnam, where much of that rice is grown, is going to be underwater in 50 years, which is insane. So like the Mekong Delta, which has historically been one of the most fertile places in the world, is already seeing people just pack up and go. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have to develop a taste for some uh, really shitty lab-grown food pretty soon, I think. We totally live in, like, you know, the, the cyberpunk style of dystopia, I think. Um, everything from, like, looming massive issues of crop shortage and, like, migration to, like, further overcrowding of cities bureaucracies that you can't trust and you know mob mentality and the fact that every single person lives you know terminally online um it's just it's yeah it's like a it's a fucking gnarly yeah it fully is um (laughs) the simulations going awol you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah oh the simulation's fucked uh Mm. the whole thing's pretty fucked um i that that is that's all terrifying and, and interesting but terrifying i think I'm getting more and more paranoid about cities because of that. Like cities just seem like points of failure. Um, if shit hits the fan, you know? Ah, <sighs> Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I honestly, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it, you're not much better off in the countryside. Um, I mean, if you're lucky, then you can live somewhere where shit will grow. I mean, Europe, um, and yeah, you know, the, the South and Northern hemispheres will, become more fertile as this happens but they're going to have to produce enough food to feed hundreds of millions more people so yeah and that's not gonna yeah exactly um also um the amount of food that we currently get through fishery or from the ocean is enormous and as you're probably well aware fish stocks are almost depleted so that's good yeah insects man yeah man Locust protein Holy. powder? Let's get into it. Who wants to eat some, <laughs> uh, some dung beetles? <laughs> well, we're going to have to, dude. We're not going to have a choice. We'll have to start serving dung beetle meatloaf to the kids at primary school. Oh, my God. That's so fucking bleak. I guess you could make like kind of like a soy yeah. out of it. You know, you could probably like whip some. I mean, realistically, what would happen is they just breed tons of locusts or like cockroaches or something and then grind them into yeah. powder. And then the powder will just become soiling. Just green. like yeah, just like. <laughs> Have you ever seen no, that? No, but I saw um, Snowpiercer recently, where they do a really similar thing. They um, feed the people protein blocks, which are just yeah, ground insects. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, and that's just like realistic. I mean, that sort of thing is already being uh, looked into mm. right now by a number of Silicon Valley companies, I think, that are trying to develop insect-based protein powders um you know for for feeding feeding everyone it's it's interesting that (laughs) 
Silicon Valley is not even glamorous anymore. The pro, the sort of problem solving they're having to engage in is just this kind of shit. Yeah, um, yeah it's and I'm glad they're doing pretty it, bleak. but yeah, it's not like let's start a social network. <laughs> uh, I mean, social yeah, media. Let's platform. do virtual reality. Yeah, like all right, how are we going <laughs> to extract protein from cockroaches? Yeah, <laughs> that's so gross. Should we uh, move on to some quick hits? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before the major pro, that's an interesting insight because the major problem Silicon Valley, I guess, are facing now is like how to turn, you know, insects to viable food sources and how to, you know, cure ourselves of, um, pandemic. Sick. (laughs) What have you been watching, man? (laughs) Anything Uh, bright and cheery? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> not at all. So I had like a funny and sad experience on Friday night. Um, I got some like burritos for dinner and got home and sat down with Francisca to eat them while we watched Snowtown. Oh, true. And Sick. Yeah. I think we got about 15 minutes in and reached a scene where a character is raped by his older brother and just like seems to have endured that so many times that he just lies passively and doesn't even bother resisting that's not a good way Um, and we're just like halfway through a mouthful watching this like silent calm rape scene and kind of just looking at each other like (laughs) nah (laughs) so wasn't able to do it we turned it off and i deleted (laughs) it from my hard drive (laughs) <laughs> I think I know what that movie is. I was going to watch um, it with my girlfriend, so I'm happy you're like, telling me this now. Yeah, yeah. probably don't. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's good. It, it'll make you feel a lot, yeah. but I just don't know if it's worth it. Um, I'm tired of feeling. <laughs> yeah. But more recently, um, Francisco suggested that we watch uh, V for Vendetta. So I watched that last night, which is, like, just so insanely relevant to our times. Um, Have you seen it before? Yeah, I had seen it, like, a really long time ago, though. And it's pretty poorly executed. It's really corny, but I think it does a good job of um, communicating pretty complex ideas in, like, a digestible and basic way. So, yeah. What about you? Um, I saw That Feel When No Girlfriend. Uh, oh that feel when no girlfriend which is that sounds um, so good it was a contentious documentary that came out uh it was contentious because people don't like to admit that there's social outcasts that are males that are predominantly white that are left out of society and ultimately can't really get the opportunities to participate in society and so that you know do you think people don't like to admit that there's definitely people that don't like to admit that um yeah right and who do you think that is the obnoxious crowd that is doing the same uh hating on the the goya foods probably man like right okay i get you um the same crowd that was looking at the steam game and you know talking about outraged gamers that amounted to maybe 50 people or something uh yeah i think there okay so something that i was going to present next week um is Ray Dalio did a piece on um, this would just be like the the part time Ray you know Ray Dalio fan club on my part. 
<laughs> the amount that I talk about him. Uh, he did a big piece on how outcomes for um, males uh, have predominantly declined since the 1980s, and yeah. you're worse off now than you have been than you would have been if you're a male in the United States in the last uh, you know 40 years or something, and you're like mm-hmm. it's getting a lot worse for you if you're in the bottom 60 percent of um yeah right of you know social wealth or whatever anyway that fear when no girlfriend follows four incels um who ultimately are neats and don't like they're not in education employment or training and they don't participate in society and they sort of sitting around lamenting the fact that they've never had any opportunities or ways to you know like engage with society and they feel dejected and Mm. they haven't been able to get a job and they suffer from like a range of you know uh social anxiety and you know they can't deal with society very well so it's basically like another story on incels it was really good though man like um yeah it sounds like it also hated so it was contentious it was hated by a lot of um I'm just assuming the sort of people that are outraged by the fact that someone might experience that. And you, you hear a lot of reviews where it's like, why would you give these people a platform? And it's just like, you know, people do have bad outcomes. Uh, and I'm not saying they necessarily, you know, have to be male. Um, I think that they focused on that because these people tend to feel like more disenfranchised but i think there's a whole range of people that are left out of the system and that is not specific to gender race or anything else you know i think it's like a widespread issue um this just yeah anyway on the other side it was hated by incels (laughs) who felt that the fucking incels that they covered didn't quite match their standard of like um insult them Oh, that's so typical, dude. Yeah, man. Why do they have to do that? I know. It's so pathetic. It's like you finally get a documentary focusing on the plight of disaffected males, um, which doesn't happen very often. It's not a story that you hear a lot about. Um, Yeah, exactly. A few people have touched on it, like, you know, and they got demonized to fuck for touching on it as a subject. Like, I'm pretty sure Jordan Peterson talked about that, and he got brutalized. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, for even suggesting that, you know, you can have a bad outcome. It was so unfair, man. Anyway, so the incels were talking, like, there's all these negative reviews, like, oh, they focused on these four normies, you know, these fucking normies that can participate in society, blah, 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 they're not incel enough. It's like, oh, it's pathetic. This is exactly why, you know, this community is so difficult to deal with. That's why no one wants to fucking help you, right? <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them like, gets a you, you give them man. a seat at the table and then they just sit there and masturbate. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was sick. Um, it's part of a broader social problem that I may or may not talk about next week uh, about, you know, just bad outcomes, which builds, I feel like, on some of the climate stuff that you're talking about. Like the fact that there is a massive erosion happening um, and uh, you know, the first things that we were talking about, about uh, degrees and people not getting jobs, there's this huge erosion of that class of, like, the bottom 60% that are just not getting jobs, not being able to enter into Absolutely. Workforce, don't feel like they can contribute in any way, can't have any relationship with anyone, and are ultimately ostracized from society. And I think that's only going to get, you know, significantly worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. So, And where do you go, right? Like, um, where do you in these... Go? 
in San Salvador, when life in the city fails you, you try and go to the United States. And I'm not saying that's a good option, but it's a next step. And if you're the West, that at the moment in terms of like a hierarchy of opportunity, big cities in the West, you know, Sydney, New York, London, mm-hmm. Berlin or whatever, like they're seen as the sort of beacons of progress where people go, right? Yep. Um, but like if even in those cities now – people they're failing people or society is failing people or sometimes people might be failing themselves like what's your alternative yeah you don't have another road uh, another road now no um, no 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 they, they totally yes. don't um mm. anyway it's really sad one of the things a uh, small thing to add is um my girlfriend is studying at the moment she's doing her uh studying to be like a speech language therapist and yeah. they do these pep talks right where they bring in old graduates to talk about their experiences in the job market and everything um to see where you could go they brought in as far as i understand five graduates that had done a speech and language degree um two of which had managed to work in the field the other three were working completely unrelated jobs and hadn't been able to get a job and you would think that is a job that like it's a specialized you know degree to have and that if you were able to finish that degree you would have a job right but nah man bad outcomes there so you know it's a big problem it's not one that's very well publicized um and that was an interesting movie i found you know i um (laughs) (laughs) i heard someone talking about recently how um like universities are intent are intentionally producing more phds than there are jobs available as well because um like if you are paying uh, a really sort of prominent academic to carry out research. You want them freed up from teaching so that they can focus on their research because uh, if they have more time to research, then they're more likely to be awarded large grants, right? Yeah. And a lot of the grant money actually doesn't go directly into the research but goes into propping up the universities as well. Mm. So you need those academics free, meaning that the way you can get the sort of dirty work of teaching done is by having academic, ah, sorry, having PhD students come in <laughs> um, yeah. and getting them to teach for, you know, uh, cents on the dollar, which is really interesting, I thought. So like even even your PhDs are a racket in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was doing that. He was exposing a lot of that, like how it's such a, it's just a massive racket to get free labor. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so astounding. Eh? Like there's so many injustices mm. right now. Um, there's a bigger picture in all of this that I feel we're building towards with these various stories of like small time grifters to large scale travesties. Mm. Do you reckon our destiny is to start a cult? To start a free movement, maybe, I would say <laughs> it could be a cult. It'll be construed as a cult, but ultimately it's like a – because I'm not um, – I don't have the get up and go to be a cult leader, I feel. But, yeah, um, I don't think I'm a likable enough person to be a cult leader either. <laughs> That's it. I'm also just too introverted. Yeah, I could do like – I would like – Yeah be in the middle of a day of hanging out with my cold and then just be like, oh, I need to go lie down, let you people exhaust me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the cult's just like, dude, like, what? You can't just fucking leave. I'm like, no, no, I need to. And then they'd all disband and go home. Plus I like being a contrarian too much. So, you know, at some point I'd just turn mm. on the whole movement um, and expose it for the perverse <laughs> Yeah, ex- expose your seats. own 
sort of perverseness. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was going to uh, do a grifter of the week, but maybe the education system is our grifter of the week. Yeah. That's pretty abstract and cool. Um, it definitely feels in all good. In all seriousness, though, um, I'll just quickly say, like, the um, – the coalition government in Australia is my grifter of the week because they are using the increase in COVID cases in Victoria as an excuse to once again delay parliament. So Scott Morrison is uh, even pre-lockdown. He was on track to be the prime minister who has sat the least days in parliament in the history of Australia. Um, so he's breaking his own record still. And the government is just banking on doing nothing except for managing the pandemic to get them in through the next election. Like they'll just pass no like actually good policy or no bad policy. They'll just do nothing and then be like, yeah, but we managed the pandemic. And then all of the Bill Clinton biography readers will just vote them in. Um, Inertia is so- <laughs> worse than fucking up, right? That's how I feel. I feel oh, like... Totally, man. You know, I'd rather someone accelerate towards... Um, Something. Something rather than yeah. just be inert and leave yeah, the system. Yeah, I fucking, I hate that shit, man. Yeah. Like, like you're the fucking prime minister to take a risk, man. Do something. Yeah. Like, we're not paying you 500, 500k a year to not think. That's <laughs> <laughs> Like, where are your fucking ideas, dude? Sweet shit. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a wanker. Um, are you listening to anything good at the moment? Um... Man, one of my colleagues, Patty, recommended me uh, Skin Shape, and they have one album called, I think it's pronounced Philoxony, which is like really moody, sort of um, mostly instrumental, like kind of mm, instrumental rock and jazz, um, which has this really nice like mystery novel aesthetic. (laughs) Um, Actually, the way I described it to Francisco was that like it sounds like what the soundtrack for Twin Peaks should have been. Oh, Um, all right. You got my number now. So you should check it out. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like hanging out at some like uh, prohibition bar after hours while like sultry woman kind of mysteriously gaze in your direction. Yeah. Um, And talk. And and the acid you just took ramps up. (laughs) Sick. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. How about you? Um, Yeah. So off the back of my like dive into the social outcast, I found like this whole genre. I've been a big punk fan for a long time. And like incel core yeah like literally incel core only i'm pretty sure these oh, guys really have well laid, so i don't know if they're full incels um can you be an incel if you've had sex do you reckon there are like uh, <laughs> like uh incel imposters like dudes who want to like t- crack the incel market the same way that oh yeah i guess so right that's a good point but um, what are the rappers doing? The same way that ra- well, the same way that rappers try and act like thugs, like maybe some like white dudes who just make experimental music in their room act like incels, even though they're actually not. It's a way to be and like. And they're like, yeah, like I relate to you guys. Um, and- definitely, that hundred percent happens. I have no problem believing that happens. I think that happens with guys like uh, Steve Bannon and Ben Shapiro and shit like that more though. Where mm, as opposed right. to incel core music, because I think these guys are like legit just frustrated musicians, um, or frustrated people that are, you know, expressing themselves in a traditional way. Anyway, negative XP, hard Christ, Death Lens, all these like incel punk bands, um, that are just 
aggressively like i don't know the music sad yeah man. oh they're just total social outcast music which i dig i mean the thing that attracted me yeah, to punk sick. originally back in the day was the fact that it was like i remember exactly when i got my interest is i had a music teacher back at high school that said she was like giving us all the different genres and trying to tell us like you know how each genre arose and stuff and she was like you know this is classical and jazz and rock and this is metal and it would play us a little snippet except for punk and she was like I'm not going to play you guys any punk because punk is effectively meant to be offensive to largely everyone. Uh, and there's no song I could find that's appropriate to play in a classroom. And I was like, whoa, what's this uh, about? I'm sure that's not true. It's absolutely not whatever. true. It's just her being a fucking yeah. loser. Um, you know, anyway, the whole vibe of it is like social outcasts and antagonism and, you know, relative nihilism mm. about every social movement. The whole point is this is no point. It's just like, music to demonstrate that <laughs> and it's been co-opted yeah. lately that there's like a lot of political punk bands that come out and stuff and they all suck you know because what the fuck is the point in having like a political band um mm, i i completely agree man i don't enjoy political bands um and political punk to me just sounds like the most yeah uh hard to endure thing yeah yeah green day go suck <laughs> um, yourself off eh? like get fucked you know it's meant to be aggressive mm. angry anyway those bands are sick. Been loving them. Fuck, I've been playing them all the time. You know, they even Very nice. got featured on uh, that feel when no girlfriend. How oh, there that? you go. Is that how you discovered them? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, um, did you listen? You listened to the uh, Red Scare interview they did with Steve Bannon, right? Mm -hmm. You probably recommended it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't actually remember if we've talked about this, but I found that so interesting, man. Steve Bannon seems like a really smart guy. Yeah. Way smarter than I gave him credit for. Oh, he's very intelligent. But mm. also um, not as intelligent. I thought he was smarter <laughs> than I gave him credit for. Because when I listened to that mm. interview, he's clearly an intelligent guy. But he's also a figurehead man. And he's also a boomer is the thing that I got out of that. Cause... Mm. I did. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Um. Um, the thing that I noticed was that he was trying to relate on some weird talking points, like, like throwing stuff in there that didn't really feel like he had the best grasp on social media. I think he understands, but I also think he's kind of like a charlatan and I think he has an agenda of some kind. Um, mm. you know, and I don't know if he's as onto it as I gave him credit for originally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, he seemed to me to, um, have a lot of sort of knowledge gaps, but it did seem like he kind of acknowledged, yeah. which I liked about him. Um, but anyway, we are not here to talk about Steve Bannon. He knows the um, societal problems, I feel. That's one of the main things that I got from that. And that's the most important thing. Is yeah, that if you yeah. understand the fundamental issues of the generation, like that's yeah. more uh, important than, you know, just diagnosing solutions um because he goes yeah. on to say some stupid shit about like oh we don't need healthcare, you know private fucking blah, blah, blah. yeah that was ludicrous um and he couldn't even back but, his own reasoning <laughs> one thing i really liked about him though is that he um he's at least ambitious in his policy ideas mm. um like the you know equally as conservative as scott morrison but actually trying to do something yeah which i thought was quite cool but um, we're at an hour and 47 minutes. Sick. Um, yeah, so that's going to be it for today. Cool. Thanks for um, tuning in, y'all. Uh, yes. 
Thank you, Damon. Thank you, everyone. Thank for you, listening. Hayden. As always, absolute pleasure. Hit us up. We have, yeah, hit us up. Um, get at us on Instagram now. We've got a little, little profile. We've got some juicy memes going on there from <laughs> Damon's uh, image archive. Uh, like at Modern Guilt Pod on Instagram. I love some of them. Um, yeah. I'm going to be posting more and more as we go. Oh, sick. Um, yeah. Send us your thoughts. Your feedback is always appreciated as usual. Share, like, subscribe, all that shit. We want to get our little uh, dopamine hits as we see our listener count increase. Yeah, it feels so good. Feels it's good. your fault if we become insults. Um, Stop hating on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Sign out. Love you guys. Peace. Peace. All right. There we go. Another one. Another one.